and welcome to Ian Blackwood, Canadian musician and actor known for being the vocalist slash guitarist of the Toronto-based punk band, The Artist Life, and for playing Kyle Bateman on the CTV team hit Instant Star. He now fronts the rock and roll band, This Is The Noise, and is the technician for the band Walk Off The Earth. He also owns a recording studio called Lime Green Studio in Ontario. So huge welcome to Ian Blackwood. Thank you for being here with us. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. That's a, a Wikipedia bio, is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, a couple little things. This is the noise. We, we disbanded a few years. Well, a good, uh, I guess like five or six years ago. But, um, and oh, I used, wow. Yeah, yeah, and I used to be obviously one of the techs for Walk Off, which I no longer am because, um, you know, life moves on. And uh, obviously, I'm, my, I'm, I love my family and I love my sister, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Other things in my life happened, but um, yeah, great. Uh, and wow, the the CTV Kyle Bateman. I love that you. Uh, that's some of the best memories I've ever had. We can talk about that kind of stuff, like being on set and being an actor and stuff. That was that was such a fun TV show to be on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and we should definitely get into what you're doing now. So sorry about that. No, don't be sorry at all. That's 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 a a, a it is a bio that exists, and it's just I've um, been doing other things since. So that's all. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about what your role in the industry is and how you got into that role? Just to give our viewers a little bit of a background on what you do. Wow. So I guess at the current, in the current state of the world um, and in the last few years, I've become more of a music producer than more than anything. Um, I, haven't, I haven't really played in a band in a few years, but um, there was a time when I was producing bands pretty frequently and having them in my, in my home studio. Um, that changed a couple years back when um, things started kind of really picking up. My wife and I, we own a wedding photography company as well. So we're all very, we're very artist based. That's how we make our living. And that's how I've always really made a living. Um, other than when I was, you know, a teenager and working the odd jobs in my 20s, working construction and stuff. But uh, yeah, so as it stands now, I still very much love producing music. And as you can see, I have, you know, the studio behind me, home studio. Um, there's like a million guitars right over here, but you can't see it, but maybe I can pivot the camera later on. You can see there's a rack of guitars here and um, still very much into writing music, working with different types of artists if I get the chance. Um, but more so working on singer, singer songwriter kind of stuff nowadays, more than... Um, more so than, than full band production. But there was a time, especially when I, when I started my studio back and I guess it was about 2012, um, excuse me. And uh, I started kind of um, having a lot of bands over and working and producing them and working on songwriting and stuff like that. So, but still very much into the uh, songwriting part of and producing. I love producing bands. I love, you know, um, especially young bands. I love meeting, you know, new, new young talented artists and uh, learning about their story and learning about, you know, the type of music they, they, they're playing and the type of music they want to play and the genres they want to get into. And, and then I love kind of like peeling back the layers there and seeing how deep I can go as a producer with bands is one of the fun things that I like to do. So. For sure. Very cool. Um, so can you tell us like the podcast is geared towards emerging and young artists um, and, and since you're focusing on producing right now what are like what are some of the things you're looking in artists and when you're getting together to work on a project or a song um, what are some of the things that you are are um, looking for in that particular project and what might you take on great question um, like as it goes for me right now I'm, I'm really like I love songs like I'm a song Mm. I spent a lot of time in my youth, 
you know, I played in a lot of punk rock bands and I grew up in punk rock scene and getting that angst out of me and not really caring necessarily about songs and structure and just about like getting out and playing shows. And that it was actually more of a, for me growing up as a teenager, um, I grew up in Burlington and the Burlington music scene was, was um, very heavily kind of community based. And it was more so about kind of hanging out and going to shows more so than really the, really the music. Like, it was like the, the culture was kind of, and I think kind of punk rock is one of those things. Like we're not necessarily like, I don't know. You think of the bands like the clash or the sex pistols. They're not, I mean, maybe, maybe more so the clash, but they're not necessarily revered for their, their music per se as maybe more of their movement. And um, I found that growing up in Burlington, there was this, just this like emo punk rock kind of movement when we all grew up and we would just kind of, you would just go to a show. Like you wouldn't like, you wouldn't necessarily just go and hang. I mean, we would still like hang out as teenagers and go to like plazas and skateboards and stuff, but a lot of the times you were going to shows or you're at shows. And if you were at a show, you were probably playing a show. So, um, and that kind of stuff really interested me when I was young, but then as I grew, grew up now, I'm, you know, I'm approaching my forties and, uh, I've really become a song type person. I really appreciate the, the craft of songwriting and it's such a, it's such a hard craft. Like it really, like when it really comes down to it, actual like songwriting, um, you know, lyrics are one thing, but melodies and top line and, and catchy choruses, like stuff like that. Um, a lot of the stuff that's kind of coming, that's been coming out of Nashville for decades now, like this, the writers and the, the artists that come out of there, I really love that stuff now. And that's kind of what I look for nowadays. If, if there is an artist approaching me and asking me about if I'm interested in producing or, um, you know, interested in, in, in doing songwriting camps and stuff like that. For me, it's, um, let's hear, like, let's hear your best top line or let's hear your best chorus mm. and, and, um, kind of go from there, you know? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. I wanted to ask a little bit about, um, your view of the music industry. So this podcast is geared toward young musicians, educating young musicians. In what ways have you seen the music scene change and adapt since you started as a young musician? And do you think young musicians today face different unique challenges than you did or some of the same things? Another great question. Um, (laughs) Like, again, um, for me, what it felt like, the music industry that I kind of grew up in, well, that I sort of thought what it was, was, you know, very live music um, based, very instrument based, very... um, sort of um show act like interactive show wise nowadays i feel like and i mean this is just an advancement like i mean i I think of studios too like i always think about like i've got state-of-the-art equipment right behind me i would have killed to have this stuff when i was 16 Mm -hmm. you know i was recording on little tape decks four track analog tape decks (laughs) trying to to, yeah like me too (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) And, but hey, there's nothing wrong with it. It was actually a lot of fun and it was really cool to learn and, and kind of understand and strip back audio for what it is. And um, you gain that, you sort of educate yourself and you gain that respect for, for what, you know, analog audio really is. Mm-hmm. And then now, you you know, flash forward now, like 20 years and, you know, I can, I can be recording a, a vocal and then sending it to Amsterdam and then they're sending it to LA and then it's all in state of the art equipment at my house. Whereas that really didn't exist for even for, for my um, me being like a grandpa millennial, that didn't really exist even for us. There was digital studios sort of, but they didn't even really have what's called, you know, I use pro tools or they didn't have, um, you know, logic and, and Cubase and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think, um, I think the, the cool thing about the modern age and the modern tech is we're seeing from what I believe 
uh, and hearing these in- incredibly young, talented producers and songwriters because I don't know if it's if it's just because they're they're stuck in their homes or they're like you know like Billie Eilish and Phineas or brother like you got you know a, a team like that just creating some of the like most awesome art and uh, they're doing it at home and it's just like it's really cool so you know but on the flip side there's like this so you you know I think this the generation the Gen Z and stuff I think you guys have um you you have more hands like you have you, you have the uh I guess the tools available to you a lot more than kind of maybe we did and even I'm sure like generations like you know um gen x and stuff like that like they barely had any type of hardware computer hardware and stuff like that at all really but so i think the advancements there are great because you you know you got you got audio at the the touch of a button and you've got you know production capabilities you know right there in front of you um but on the flip side you've got people that are honing it really really well so you're seeing very young producers and young songwriters writing hits and it's really cool because in a different way like maybe not necessarily in a full garage band way but maybe in a, in a sitting home demo sense they're working on top line and working on courses. And it's really cool because I didn't do stuff like that at my age. At my age, I was like either skateboarding or I was just jamming with the guys in the garage or, you know, whatever. Um, and just making noise and trying to figure out a cool tune. But now I feel like there's songwriting dissection happening a lot more in, in the younger age. And I think it's really cool because I think we're starting to see, it's, it's like kind of like, um, I equate it to kind of pro athletes. We're seeing a lot of extreme pro athletes now where like, you know, even like shows like cheer and stuff like that. Like you watch these athletes, like they, they work themselves to the core and into exhaustion. Whereas like, I feel like maybe there's musicians and producer types that are working their brains and they're working their, their talents to the core as well. And maybe to the point where, you know, we're seeing geniuses at like 15, 16, even younger, because they're just honing the craft so much more. And they have, you know, they have ability to, to track, to, to, to multi-track more and to learn about effects and compression and reverb and delay and, and to learn about songwriting and, 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 and structure and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, that's one of the big things I see is, is the, the younger generation, the fact they've got um, their hands on higher tech, high, like much higher tech and better tech, more advanced. Um, but it also keeps guys like me on my toes because, you know, a friend of mine is named Zach Gerber. He's a really young um I mean, I say really, he's, he's 28. He's a producer from uh, Kitchener, Cambridge area. He's actually one of the uh, head technicians for Walk Off the Earth as well, but he runs his own studio too. I mean, the guy's 28 years old. He runs his own studio. He's an incredible mixer now too, and he's becoming a, a budding producer and a better, you know, much, you know, he keeps becoming a better songwriter as he works, but he's young and like his ears are insane. Like his ears when he's 40 are going to be nuts. So it's like, it's really cool to see um, this like, this younger sort of like active, I still, cause like a lot of people say, Oh, rock and roll's dead. You know, I don't think it ever is dead. I, I, I never thought it was. I just thought it's evolving. You know, I see the music. I see the evolution of music personally. Like I don't, I don't see it as a negative thing. I, you can, you can look at it, I suppose that way, but um, I just don't think that's conducive to, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that view there. Music is constantly evolving. It's what it's always doing. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because we don't have the opportunity to have an actor on here very often. Okay. And um, I did watch you on Instant Star a long time ago. And, uh, but recently, I actually, I watched out the short, uh, I watched the short film that you um, wrote and directed and produced um, and acted in. 
that you did over um, the first lockdown. And man, it's so funny. It was, it's awesome. It was very clever and subtle and hilarious. And I thought it was lovely. So um, thanks for putting more art into the world. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know what came first, acting or music? And then I have like a lot more questions about the acting world, but hit us with that first. Cool. Uh, well, thank you, Lisa. I appreciate that. Um, that little short, it was funny. Um, the, uh, what came first? Oh, okay. I'll answer what came first. So, so music came first and, um, mm -hmm. we'll talk about the short after, but, uh, I really appreciate that you watched it. Thank you very much. You guys, it's called, uh, uh, it's over and you can watch it on my YouTube channel. Um, check it out. Uh, yeah. Music came first. Music was something I started. I started playing music when I was about 11. I started playing guitar and, uh, my dad, I grew up in a musical home. Um, as you know, for those who don't know, my sister is Sarah Black, which she plays in a tiny, tiny Canadian band called Walk Off the Earth. And uh, my eldest sister, Jen, she actually played in a punk rock band called The Creep Show, which Sarah actually played in too. There's this whole, it's a, it's a rabbit hole of uh, Blackwood music that people could go on YouTube and spend hours and go find out the, the, you know, our, all our musical pasts. And, but uh, yeah, it was music first and started with guitar. Um, my dad, uh, I wanted an electric guitar when I was 11. And excuse me, he said, well, you can't have an electric guitar, but um, if you play my acoustic guitar and you happen to like it, and if you, know, if you can learn, he gave me a, a, a book of chords. I, th I think the book was from the 60s. It was like tarnished and like discolored and it just had all the major and minor um, bar chords and uh, regular uh, chords. So I learned those and I learned them quite fast because I was quite inclined and quite excited to to get good and i really honestly i just it was like wayne's world i just wanted a white like a white guitar i just wanted a bright white electric guitar like i was i, I was that guy like, i was just like oh like um, obviously i wanted a fender but i was never gonna get a fender like my dad was a police officer and my mom my mom was a stay-at-home mom so there was just no obviously the, and i was you know i was 11 i was working papers there's no way i was ever going to afford a fender stratocaster but um a really fun story about how I got my first electric guitar, which I actually have, and I'll show you guys. I'll pull it out in a second. Um, uh, I was 13, or I was 12, sorry, 12. So it was about two years after I started really learning to play guitar. Um, I asked for one for Christmas, and I, I don't know, um, Maddie, you're probably too young for this. Lisa, you might remember Consumers Distributing. I don't know if you remember Consumers Distributing, but it's a, they were like a weird... Um, pseudo mall store you would go to you get a catalog and you would go there and they would never have anything but you'd have to order it and then it would show up in like a month so i i always got the catalog for christmas and they you know for some reason there was an electric guitar available at consumers distributing i'm sure it was terrible i asked for that exact guitar just because i wanted an electric guitar but my dad had played my dad grew up playing classical um guitars he had he has still to this day has some really nice guitars and he knew that 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 guitar was a piece of junk that I was asking for for Christmas. So, um, do you, are you girls familiar with um, A Christmas Story? It's a movie, an old, old movie about a young boy gets a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like my, my all-time favorite Christmas movie. Anyway, my, uh, and my dad always knew that. And um, it's been my favorite Christmas movie since I was like six or seven years old. And um, yeah, it's, it's like one of the best. Um, I've actually been to the house in Cleveland, but anyway, like the actual the set where they, they shot all the exteriors. But um, so for Christmas one year, he, uh, I asked for this I, I guitar and then, you know, we unwrapped all our presents and there was no guitar. And I was just like, oh, well, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just another Christmas. And maybe when I'm 13, I'll get a guitar. And my dad, he pulled me aside. He goes, hey, there's, there's something upstairs. Um, 
Santa said he couldn't he couldn't carry it down when he because apparently Santa came through the, we didn't have a chimney but apparently he came through the windows or something but um he told me to go upstairs and check the like the, one of the beds or whatever and um sure enough there was this uh white <laughs> electric guitar in a box I opened the box and it was like it was the coolest thing I've ever seen uh, Wow. And you still have it. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah, it was, um, oh, it was just, and I, I strummed it and it was just like, oh, and then I immediately started playing like Nirvana and Green Day and they got me a little tiny practice amp that sounded terrible, but it was the greatest <laughs> thing. And honestly, I, if I wasn't at school and wasn't doing, sometimes doing homework, I was playing guitar and I was playing it loudly and just the game cranked on my little five watt practice amp just sounding terrible but i loved every second of it yeah music first acting Amazing. came into my 20s but. and so how did you get into acting then so acting was weird because i was never that type you know there are i feel like there's types like there's the type a type of uh, actor type people who are I, I call always on and they're always like you know always revved up and, and you know I, I do like a good conversation i can go on forever and i can talk your ear off so I, I i get that but for the most part being an actor it's like when you really meet actor types in my opinion, anyway, they're quite, um, quite ready at all times. And I feel like I'm not necessarily that type of person, but I've always been interested in, in, um, in like film and TV. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just, I love, I love cinematography too. I took photography when I was in high school and I love cinematography. So that was another thing too, that I loved about the whole, mm -hmm. I like, yeah, I, I like, for me, it's like, I can really appreciate great writing because a lot of people think it's just actors or directors but they don't realize that usually most of the time it's the writing the writing is really it's like a good song mm. like bob dylan wasn't the greatest singer but man was he one of the best songwriters ever you know what i mean like it's just writing to me is one of the most important bits and i think it's sometimes not as um you know recognized and respected but um yeah i don't know i just uh I got this great idea after I'd been playing. I, I, I joined my first touring band when I was 18. I graduated high school at 18. I didn't do um, OAC. I just did, did my OSSD. And then I, as soon as I graduated, I joined a band. They were a few years older than me. And we directly went on Warp Tour in 2001. And we were playing with Rancid and playing with Jimmy Eat World and um, opening for like Me First and the Gimme Gimmies and playing with bands like AFI and Anti-Flag. These are all like, you know, California coastal kind of punk rock bands. Um, and we were on a record label called Fuel by Ramen, which um paramore i think we're on right when they started but this was back in 2001 so yeah we're going again we're going, going back almost geez, almost 20 years but um <laughs> oh man but um i i immediately got out of high school and joined a band so it was like and i was always playing in bands in high school too like i would play bars when i was 15 and then we we were allowed to play our set but then we would have to leave kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, but uh yeah and then um i don't know it was it was just weird like after trying this trying this musical thing and going on tour and you know making a bit of pocket change and making a enough money to kind of like you know sometimes buy some food or like you know put you know i don't know like pay car insurance or something um but obviously having a job on the side working warehouses and stuff like that i decided that i would try another uh <laughs> another interesting industry which is acting and film which you know my mother always said she was like you're nuts like what are you doing like because i never wanted to be i I just didn't want to be in a box, you know, I could never be like, you know, stuck in a box. I always wanted to be, you know, I don't know if it's just like a, an artist thing or like, you know, your self punishment, but um, yeah. 
with acting. It just started. I, I actually, so what I did was um, I was in a band for a, for a little bit and then I decided, Hey guys, listen, I'm, we toured Europe. It was really cool. We had a, a German label and we toured Europe. It was a lot of fun, but the band itself really was kind of at a stalemate and I didn't really see it going too much further. And I knew I wanted to go to um, post-secondary. So I ended up going to um, uh, Capilano college in, in Vancouver. So um, for film. Oh, cool. That's where I went to school. <laughs> you went to Cap? Yeah. I went to the Seashelt campus. I don't know if they still had it when you went, but oh. yeah, they had so we when I when I registered for the film um, program, I got accepted, but I was in an overage and they said, listen, there's about 25 of you that are in overage and we're thinking about opening the Seashell campus to have the same program. Would you be interested? And I said, well, yeah, like I don't, it doesn't matter if I live in North Van or in Seashell. Like I don't, I just want to go and, and learn film. So, um, so I, I took the position anyway and I moved out there for a year and then I did that. Um, I actually ended up leaving early. I only did a semester, but it was, um, but it was awesome. Like I knew what I wanted to do. The, my professors were amazing. The students were incredible. The projects were so much fun. And I already knew, like I was a bit, I was in my, in my earlier twenties and I was going to school with 17, 18 year olds who you could tell were like, this is perfect for them because they don't really know what they want to do. I'd already toured in a bunch of bands. I'd been in the music industry already on the punk rock sort of rock and roll side of things. So I'd seen that type, you know, in the world. And I knew that I, I kind of knew okay, I need an agent and I want to be an actor. So going to the post-secondary thing was awesome. Learning about camera editing, cinematography, uh, a little bit of screenwriting, acting, stuff like that. That was awesome. And I, to this day, as you saw in the short film, I use all of those things, especially, you know, mm-hmm. shooting all films and, and lighting and stuff like that. But I already knew what I wanted to do. So to, each semester was like five or six grand. So I didn't really want to spend all that money twice. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go back home. And I, 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 uh, I was, I was a construction worker. So I saved up all the money myself and, um, my dad, my mom co-signed so I could get an extra loan. So I didn't have to work while I was out there for the few months. So I could just like focus on school. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, after, as soon as I got home from, from, uh, from film school, honestly, it was only about six months later, I got a principal agent and then I landed two commercials and then I landed instant star and instant star was really cool because, we were in the last two episodes of the first season and we didn't have any dialogue. And then we had dialogue in our auditions, which I totally bombed by the way. Like I was awful. Like it was, I was so nervous. And uh, well, obviously, I mean, it's auditions. I'm nervous all the time. I've been doing it for 15 years and I'm still nervous. Like I have a self tape in a couple of days and I get nervous and I shoot them at home and I get nervous, but um, yeah, I was, uh, I bombed, but they, they loved me and they loved the fact that like the cool thing about instant star was they hired musicians too, which I was, I was just in love with like, I don't know about you, you ladies, but when I watch like a musical type show and you can tell the actors don't actually play, I can catch that. So mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> and, and not, not that I'm judging because not all these, not everyone can do these things, like be a musician, also be an actor, be a plumber, be a whatever. But I think the fact that the show, they went a little above and beyond. And I like that they hired musicians, the actors who could sing, actors who could play and um, actors who'd been in bands. And, and that really, I think it really showed it was too bad the show should have went much longer like a few more seasons and it definitely could have but um yeah i always that's what i loved about the show is that they 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 hired actual musicians which i I thought was really cool so i'd like to ask a little bit more can you tell us about some of your favorite projects all-time favorite projects that you've been a part of um maybe for acting and then if there's some for music maybe we can talk about that as well yeah i'll say it again instant star was my favorite to this day just because like it really, I woke up one day and cause I landed the role. It was 2005 or 2006. I think that I landed the role of Kyle. And when we got contracts for season two, I had a sort of a moment where I was like, 
while I'm an actor and a musician in a TV show on Nickelodeon and CTV in Canada. And I was just like, that alone is like such a cool thing. Mm. Um, Cause I wasn't sure if my music was going to take me much further than, you know, a van, a trailer and some like dive bars. So um, that was really awesome. Um, I had a really fun bit. There's a movie on HBO Canada called the steps. I shot it a couple of years ago. Um, I had a little, just a little bit part. I've got five or six lines and um, I'm the musician of the, uh, the white snake cover band in the bar. And it's a, uh, it's a really, it's a really neat movie. Um, Manuel Sharik, he's in it uh, also a Canadian and she's uh, she was on, in, she was in an entourage and um, Jason Ritter is obviously John Ritter, uh, the late John Ritter, um, his uh, son, Jason Ritter is in it. Um, it's a really cool little comedy, but a family that, um, it's like a mixed family. They don't really get along. And then they're having a, they're having like a holiday season together to finally like, you know, hash it out and, you know, become friends and like try to like just figure out how they can all like each other. And uh, the cool part is uh, my character is pivotal in actually bringing the family together in that they go to a bar. I won't spoil the whole thing, but they go to a bar and they end up, um, you know, having a couple of drinks and they don't like each other. And then all of a sudden they, they realize that, that they kind of collectively are annoyed by the band that's playing live. And I'm the lead singer of this annoying white snake band. And uh, they end up, I end up, we end up starting a fight, a big bar brawl. And it's this big whole like bar brawl chairs go everywhere, pull cues break and like everyone's in headlocks and rolling all over the place. And then the main character, he ends up like resolving it, like resolving everything and getting the family to kind of come together. And it's a cool little moment. Um, and it was really fun to shoot. And the cool thing was they didn't have music for the, the bar scene at the time. And the director called me and he said, um, we're still working on the song. It's just the white snake song. Like, you know, at the time, I think the film had like a $2 million budget or something like that. And even that kind of money, like a white snake song is a very expensive song to, to, to license. Mm -hmm. And I said, simply said to him, I said, oh, okay, well, yeah, let me know. <laughs> let me know when you, you figure it out and just, you know, send me over where we're going to play. So I'll learn it a little bit. So it looks like I'm playing it on the camera. And then I had a light bulb moment where I was like, wait a minute, why don't I just write the song? Like I have a studio, I'm a musician, I am a guitar player. <laughs> So we, I called him back immediately and I was like, can I, can I try? Like, and then he's like, yeah, dude, of course. So I ended up um, writing a little tidbit for the, for the day. And it, it was just on the day. I was like, oh yeah, we'll just have that as the background music. He's like, yeah, totally. And then like six months later, they're like, oh, we're actually going to use it in the film. So it's, I, I did like a rewrite of uh, White Snakes. Um, here I go again on my own. And just cool. kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a backwards rewrite just so that we, we got, you know, we got through legalities and copyright and it's like a backwards rewrite of it. And mm -hmm. no, and just like a, and we actually hired this like crazy shredder guitar player to play all this like kind of like eighties, like shredding over top of it. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Like the actual scene is funny because as the, uh, the band gets weirder, the solo gets worse and the guy and the band <laughs> gets madder and it gets more mad. And so, yeah, that was really, really fun too. Um, I had a lot of fun on that, on that show too, or on that movie. Yeah. Sounds like an awesome project. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. What else? Did you have another question? I can't remember. I remember now. Oh, actually, going off of what you were saying before, you, you said you still get nervous sometimes when you're going to do auditions or you're going uh, to do new things. And that's something Lisa, actually wanted to, Lisa and I actually wanted to ask you about. How do you cope with nerves, whether it's in performing or acting and for your auditions? Um. <laughs> well, I have irritable bowel syndrome because of it. So uh, the, that tells you how I cope with it. <laughs> um, no, I didn't know we were going to go there, did we? <laughs> um, no, okay, well, it's a uh, great, good question, girls. Like, I'll tell you, it's, um, 
it's hard. It is. It's hard. Auditions are hard. Um, the anxiety, the nerves, um, the, the business itself is, uh, is very tough. And so there's, there's, there's two interesting sort of dichotomies with, with being an actor and being a musician. With being a musician, I always saw it as like, I can truly be myself because it's my writing, it's my songs, it's my band, it's, it's what I'm putting into it, and it's, it's, my, it's kind of my way. And then when you start working with producers, producers, you start realizing, okay, it's not entirely your way because you do have to, you might want to listen to some of their advice. Like the last Artist Life record, we, we worked with um, a producer named Greg Norrie, and he's a pretty historic guy, kind of responsible for Alvaro Levine and Sum 41 and those guys. And um, He's, he's got, and he was in a band called Trouble Charger. I'm sure Lisa, you probably know that, Maddie. I'm not sure if you, if you know that. Um, but he, uh, he was pivotal for, for the artist's life because he was one of the first producers um, that I like sh finally shut up and listened. And again, it took me a long time. Like I'd worked with a couple of really cool producers when I was younger in other bands, but I, I was so stubborn and I was kind of stuck in my ways. But even as a musician, those nerves just don't really exist for me. And that's the fun thing about being a musician is I can just do, I feel I am hundred percent free. So mm -hmm. when it comes to the acting, it's like, you got to go into this room and it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't even matter. It's, it's an interesting, Joe Rogan actually has a, a really interesting breakdown about it all. Um, I'm going to totally butcher it right now, but um, he talks to, because I, you know, Joe Rogan, obviously he spent years being an actor and being a, you know, a, a talking head type before he was, you know, a big podcaster and UFC um, announcer, but um, he, he really talks about how the, the, the difference of the acting and music, especially with acting is that you're, you're, you're showcasing your abilities. And a lot of the times, a lot of people have the abilities and, uh, you know, it's just, sometimes you just, you just don't, you just don't fit. And you sometimes you don't know why, but the inter the interesting part about the film and TV industry is you never really know why you didn't fit. You only know why you got the job. You never know why you didn't get the job because they don't tell you. So for the most part, so it's, um, it's an interesting, it's an industry where you really have to kind of like develop a, a pretty tough skin, but as artist types, and I'm sure you girls know, it's, it becomes, um, it, it becomes sometimes difficult because, you know, we, we tend to be a little bit more sensitive. Um, we tend to deal with things like depression, anxiety, and those types of things. And act, I know actors do, but musicians, I think more so um, have an ability to, maybe even cope because when we play music, we, we, we get our music out. Uh, we get our, our therapy kind of out with our music and with acting. You have to in film and TV, you have to develop this skin that almost, um, almost kind of consumes you. And it, I've, I have grappled with it my entire career, 15 years of it. I grapple with it and I still do. Um, it's the part of the industry I don't like because I like to know, I like to be told in to some degree um, what I'm doing wrong and what I can fix and what I can mitigate. Um, sometimes like, even if I'm writing a song or I'm working with a, you know, a talent or an artist type and, um, maybe it's vice versa. They're producing me, I'm producing them. I, I put myself in their shoes and always think, you know, if the song's not working, I kind of want to know why, or in, in my opinion, I, I would like to know why. So I'll tell them, but like, sometimes, you know, you, you go for these roles and these, um, these jobs and you try and you, you, you know, sometimes you nail your audition, but, and, and, but the only thing is you never know unless you got the job and then they'll tell you why you got it if you got it, but they won't tell you why you didn't get it. And that, that can, it can definitely, uh, you know, keep you up at night, sort of. I don't want to sound like a crazy jaded. I'm not a jaded person. I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest with the industry. But. No, for sure. That's some great advice. Lisa, do you have any more specific questions for Ian? Um, 
yeah, when? So, because you work behind the camera as a photographer and also doing videography, and then you're also on camera. Can you give us two or three tips for um, musicians who have to do photo shoots and um, be in music videos? What are like a couple of tips you would give them? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so uh, as far as being on camera, for me, one of the biggest uh, sort of like icebreakers and and um, comfort developers for me was improv. I did I did a uh, Second City improv, and uh, if you feel like you ever want to take sort of some sort of class in acting or theater and stuff like that, I always suggest trying you know uh, a month or two months worth of improv because it just opens up this crazy avenue where you didn't kind of realize and you likely have it because most people have it in them. It's just, you're often afraid to kind of crack that, that egg. But um, for me, improv was a big one. So if you're ever considering, you know, acting or even considering, you know, you got to be on camera, try going to an improv class or two or three or 10, because um, you're going to meet a lot of great people and you're going to learn a side of you, you didn't know. And you're going to be put in awkward situations where you're going to have to get out of them. And if you, if you, you know, you can learn how to kind of hone those things. Or sometimes you get awkward situations, you stay in them and you make it more awkward <laughs> and funnier. So there's that. Um, and then for being on camera, I don't know, for me, it's like, I do this with um, my clients, my, my wedding clients, my grooms and, um, you know, any, any type of uh, bridal type we're shooting. I, I prefer, and I, I mean, it sounds easier. It's, you know, I know everything's easier said than done, but um the moment you know there's a camera and you're acting like there's a camera, it's usually kind of bad. So for me, it's something very simple. It's just like, relax, you know, take a minute. And maybe, especially with bands, it's like, it's fun with bands because you can just like joke. Like you can look beside you and say, oh, there's your bandmate and there's your other bandmate. And you can even have a conversation. And then, um, I don't know, I think relax, you know, maybe, um, deep breaths and maybe even just converse with your photographer, ask what the photographer is kind of looking for and listen. Mm. That's another thing too. Like if you've picked a photographer, you've probably picked them for a, a reason why you probably like their work or you, maybe they've shot other bands that you like or actor types or artists that you do like. So you've picked them for a reason. So listen and pay attention. It's just like with, with directors, if you're shooting a music video and you're not, you're not the director. If you're, you know, like last, I don't know how many music videos I've done now, but I've just been, basically the director and everything so it's just like okay well and i know what I want, but, which also by the way has its its uh its own set of uh messes in that like like with that short film it's over i yeah um i had a lot of fun with it but i also was in in charge of uh, other than getting my my wife because she's a she's a veteran photographer my wife learned on film she she's a she can set a camera without even like checking her light meter she's amazing but um when I when I'm doing my own short films, you're in charge of the sound, you're in charge of the 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 lenses, you're in charge of the lighting and all this stuff, and you often forget that you also if you have dialogue. Which I also wrote a bunch of dialogue, so I was kind of kicking myself, knowing okay, I have to memorize the dialogue, uh, double check the sound is always working, make sure the microphones are working. So, um, but no, I think again, listening especially to the photographer that you're going to use stuff like that and being on camera and director and something, just listening is a, is a really good thing. Cause sometimes you might forget that, um, 
often, oftentimes directors will approach bands, right? They'll approach a band with, and maybe they have a factor grant or maybe they have an interest in the band or the song and they've got this idea. So they write a treatment and they apply and then they get a grant. A lot of the times they got that grant because of their treatment. It wasn't because necessarily just because of your band. It was also because of the creative treatment from the director. So um, listening and paying attention, I think is a really good thing. Some awesome advice. Thank you, Ian. Thank you so much for being here with us and sharing advice with our viewers. It's super, super helpful. Oh, you're and welcome. It's my pleasure. The one thing we usually leave off with is we ask everyone who's on the show, what would be one piece of advice you would give to yourself maybe when you were first starting out or young artists in general who are just starting out? Um, yeah, I say this a lot to myself. I always say what I would do if I could go back 15 years ago. And it's, sure. what, it's what I just said. It's listen and it's pay, hmm. pay attention. Um, there, you're going to have, there's going to be opportunities. If, you, if, you're, if you're in the music industry and you've, you've started, I mean, you ladies obviously doing a wonderful thing with the Jump Initiative and you're, you're trying to get young artists, you're trying to have, you know, have, you know, have them exposed and have them learn and uh, educate them. And um, you're going to meet a lot of awesome people you're going to meet a lot of interesting people. You're going to meet a lot of people maybe you don't quite think are awesome. But at the end of the day, listening and learning and being open-minded. If you can stay open-minded more, which I feel like the generation below me is doing that. And I feel like that's some of the reason why some of the coolest music is coming out. Mm -hmm. um, I think if I, if I was 16 to 18 right now if i could go back that's one thing i would say and i always say to my buddies because we we played in bands and we listen to our old records and i say man if we just had listened more to engineers to producer types to people who were interested in working with with us i wonder where it could have gone so i just think like listening and paying attention to the universe and kind of what's going on around tr try to do that a little bit more maybe you're doing it five percent try to do it like 15 <laughs> percent <laughs> that's awesome I, thank you so I much that, yeah so yeah, much great you. advice <laughs> Sorry, oh, yeah. Maddie, we just keep cutting each other off. I want to say that was really <laughs> I haven't heard someone kind of actually say that as the, the thing that they would tell their younger self. So yeah, thanks for throwing that in there and for being here with us. Oh, it's Thank my pleasure, ladies. I'm, this is a blast. Again, I could talk for hours. It's, it's, a, it's like a blessing and a curse, I think. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ian. Okay, guys. Awesome. Have a great night. See you later.